Good morning and welcome to the Men's Leadership Network, week two of seven of our fall series. Kicked off last week with Mike Fisher. We had a great time. Glad you guys are tuning in today. This morning I have the privilege of introducing Harold Pinto. Harold Pinto spent much of his career running global businesses in different parts of the world. A native of Brazil, he came to the U.S. first as an exchange student in the late 60s. In 1985, he was invited by Sperry Corporation to transfer to Pennsylvania as part of their New Holland operation. From there, he went on to work in Europe, Latin America, Australia, and Asia, and gained an understanding of global operations. He is recognized as a strategic thinker with experience in casting vision and leading high-performing teams. Thankfully, here at Rolling Hills, we've had a lot of his help in some of those vision casting sessions. His business career has placed him in executive positions at leading companies including Sperry New Holland, J.I. Case, Textron, and Federal Signal. Harold has been a believer since a young age, and he and his wife Regina have always had a passion for church planting, and the Lord has allowed them the opportunity to be a part of growth and development in churches in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Florida, and England, and of course here at Rolling Hills. He's currently a board member for Justice, Justice and Mercy International and a participant in our annual Jungle Pastors Conference in the Amazon. Harold and Regina have two daughters and are blessed with three grandchildren to whom they now devote their time between projects. Please join me in welcoming Harold Pinto. Harold, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Harold, thanks so much for uh, joining us today, and uh, man, you are wise, and so I am just really appreciate that, and I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Um, tell us about your growing up years. Well, first, Jeff, thank you for uh, having me here. I, I admire so many of you, and I, I really am not a big fan of the spotlight, so trust me, I'd rather be listening to you than talking about myself, but uh, you know, as for me, it all started in Curitiba, Brazil, you know, where I was born to a uh, couple who had accepted the Lord just before getting married. So they were, you know, on far for the, for the Lord. And I was their second child. You know, Curitiba is just a, is the capital of the state of Paraná. If you remember, there is the third state from the bottom. And in those days, my parents lived in the northern part of the state where most of the coffee was grown. You know, my father was a judge and my uh, mother was a, a school teacher. And, uh, you know, judges are not uh, elected in Brazil. They're, they're appointed for life. So every so often, my father would be asked to move, right? So we, we moved a lot. But one thing that I loved the most about my dad was that he was a church planter. Mm. And I admired him for that. You know, I came to know the Lord when I was seven years old. I was so eager to be saved that I, you know, I kept coming and responding to the invitation for a couple of weeks to the point that the pastor said, don't come anymore. I can assure you of your salvation. You know, awesome. so I, I stopped doing that. And ours was a Baptist church. But in our next move, my mother placed me in a seventh-day Adventist school. So a uh, couple weeks into it, I decided that I need to change denominations. Okay, so I became a Seventh-day Adventist. Now, for those of you who know the Seventh-day Adventist, you know that they're a very active and, and very effective group, but they lean towards being very legalistic. Mm -hmm. 
So my father patiently, you know, tried to explain to me the difference between grace and works, but it wasn't until two years later, you know, when I was shipped to uh, live with my grandmother to go through, uh, to school, that uh, a pastor by the name of Harold Shalley finally got through to me. And uh, I finally returned back to the Baptist uh, faith, all right? And Pastor Shalley became a great mentor for me. And you may find it strange that a kid, you know, at that age would be so concerned with doctrine. But when I look back, I'm so thankful for those years because they really brought me close to Christ. I mean, as, you, as I ran into verses like, you know, Paul saying, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet the life that I live, I no longer live, but you know, Christ lives in me, and they, you, you start thinking about that, and you say, well, the life that I live uh, now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You wonder about that, said, well, he's saying something got killed, somebody got killed here, you know. And uh, he said, well, he said he was crucified, but now Christ lives in him. So you finally realize, even as a teenager, that, hey, self got nailed, yeah. right? So you say, wow, you know, I'll never be able to get to that standard. And then another verse that stuck with me was, you know, for uh, Peter, when Peter says, dear friends, you know, I urge you as aliens and temporary residents, right, to abstain from earthly desires that war against you. Uh, they said, wow, aliens and temporary residents. That early on, Jeff, just made me realize that life was pretty short, okay? And I didn't even know that, you know, years later, I would actually have a card in English that would say, resident alien, you know, little antennas and all that. <laughs> because, and, and I looked at that, and every time I would go through immigration, they would say, do you have your permanent residence card? I would say, yes. And I would chuckle inside because I would remember that verse and yeah. say, it's not permanent, yeah. it's temporary. It's temporary. Right? So that stayed with me. And I told you I admire my father a lot, and, and I wanted to be just like him, you know, with one exception. I wanted to get to know the world, okay? Mm -hmm. So one day I told him that. I said, Dad, I want to get to go, the, you know, go around the world. He said, well, you should go into the diplomatic service. I said, oh, that's exactly what I want to do, okay? So I started working towards that, and my mother really helped me a lot. She uh, prepared me for the entrance exam to the right school there in, in Curitiba. And uh, so it was a lot of work during junior high and high school, you know, a lot of extracurricular classes in languages, music, and all that. But uh, I loved it, mm. you know. So in my senior year, I got the scholarship from the American Field Service to come to the U.S. And little I knew that the hands of the Lord were really behind all that. You know, my family here was exactly like my family back in Brazil. I had two brothers here like I had two brothers there. And uh, even my father, American father, you know, uh, had the same name as my Brazilian father. They were both Harold. You know, so I love them. And uh, 
The only difference was that my American dad was in business. He was a businessman. So during that year, I started falling in love with business through him. Mm. He had a warehouse, and I used to help him at the warehouse. I used to call on dealers with him whenever I could. But, you know, the end of the year came, and I had to go back home and go back to college. But when I look back into my childhood and my adolescence, I'm so thankful for the way my parents brought me to the Lord for the uh, emphasis that they put on education and for my local churches. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Harold, you got a law degree and then you went on to get your MBA. And how did having all this education help you in your career as God unfolded this plan? Well, like I said, you know, the the plan was to go into diplomatic service. So when I came back from the U.S., I went and told my dad that was then you know, a uh, state superior, Supreme Court justice, so you don't talk to those people (laughs) very easily. So I came to him and I said, Dad, you know, I really want to go into business. His answer, like always, was very short and to the point. He said, yes, you can do that after you finish law school. So that was like a five-year commitment, you know, which I finished and then started uh, uh, business school as soon as I, I joined uh, uh, Sperry New Holland. But uh, both were very, very valuable. Mm. I mean, uh, law really made it a lot easier to do business around the world, really yeah. helped. Uh, so did business administration, yeah. Well, tell us about your career, your business career, because God took you places all over the world and, and you rose up in a lot of ways. So tell us about that. Yeah, I was blessed to, to have been able to work for these four uh, major corporations. You know, I started Spur New Holland, then went to uh, uh, Textron, and then to uh, you know, Federal Signal. I uh, shouldn't forget JIKs there in the beginning. Of the, and, you know, I had the opportunity to work also with some terrific product lines. You know, this is something that... Uh, uh, some of them were like a boy's dream, you know. I started with farm machinery, uh, mainly combine harvesters and cotton pickers, pretty complex uh, equipment. Then it went into uh, golf maintenance uh, uh, equipment, then into numerically controlled uh, machine tools, and then fire trucks, all sorts of fire trucks, you know. But uh, all along, my, my objective was I wanted to get into general management. So I started with... Uh, human resources, the government relations, a combination of both for a while. Then I went into product management that brought me close to uh, engineering and manufacturing, and then into sales and marketing. Finally, I got uh, a job as a managing director, and then as a president and as a a group president. Uh, The reason I say that is because if somebody wants to go into general management, you really need, especially these days with cross-functional teams, you do need exposure to all these different functions. So that was very, very, very helpful. Certainly that working for Textron, you know, turf care and having the opportunity to meet all these nice golfers like uh, Mr. Palmer, you know, Gary Player, Jack Nicholas, uh, you know, Greg Norman, and being in all these golf courses, and you don't believe it, but, you know, even playing in some of them, <laughs> uh, some of the divots that are there are still mine, uh, you know, things like going like Pebble Beach and Augusta and St. Andrews uh, or Royal Sydney, you know, these are all exciting things. And then as, you know, with Federal Signal, 
having been able you know, to uh, manufacturing all these different trucks, we had uh, we employed about a little over 4,500 people, and we had plants in four different countries. We had seven uh, operations. We were in Canada, we were in Finland, in Holland, and. Uh, here in, in the U.S., and we were making all sorts of uh, trucks. I mean, we were making from pumpers to aerials to ARFs that are Air Force, uh, not uh, airport uh, uh, rescue and firefighting vehicles. You know, also these uh, industrial trucks for oil companies. So it was exciting. You know, it was exciting, but, the, but very, uh, very taxing at the, at the, the same time. Our, we had customers like the New York Fire Department right after 9-11. I mean, that was quite a, a performance by that, that group there. Or we had people like uh, Schiphol in Amsterdam, you know, the, uh, the aircraft the vehicles that were, were there. Uh, we had manufactured them, and we Aramco, you know, like the oil company in Saudi Arabia. So uh, these were the really, really nice customers to have and interact. Now, my favorite one was the little fire department in Bethlehem, Israel. Believe it or not, no, Bethlehem, I... if you ever catch fire, we were there to, to, were there. to, to, to <laughs> take care of that. So it was exciting. Uh, Harold, you um, have seen so much and, and been all over. In the business world, how does the business world define success? Well, success in the business world is measured by achievement of metrics, mm. you know. And uh, they are mostly financial in nature. As businesses become more aware of their social impact, they start measuring things like customer satisfaction and, you know, uh, stakeholder uh, development, safety, environment. Uh, things like that, but at the end of the day, it's mainly the emphasis is, is mainly on the, the financial uh, side. You know, a lot has been written about metrics, and I can understand that because what gets measured gets done. Mm. I mean, that's really uh, crucial uh, there. But and you the other day mentioned to me, you know, hey, I've heard you know about the lead and leg yeah. measures. You know, some of these things sometimes people just keep redressing them, you know, just to call attention to to different things. But they're very effective. But mostly of them, at the end of the day, is market penetration and financial performance. Now, as for the individuals that work there, I mean, their uh, me measurement is based on their contribution to the business. And you can't deny that at the end of the day, they're measured by how much they were able to accumulate, you know, during the period that they were mm. doing business. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, as you look at all the business measurements, I mean, you, you were a huge success. I mean, you know, financially, uh, CEO of different companies, uh, living all over the world, um, having a house at the Masters and being on number 10 and going there, I mean, every year. I mean, those are, from the world standpoint, those are huge. How would you define that for you personally? I mean, was it ever enough? Was it ever where you just said, wow, I've achieved it, I've made it? You know, Jeff, uh, first of all, <laughs> you don't do any of that on your own. Right. Right. I mean, you have to realize first that you have to have a very supportive wife you know, <laughs> if you want to keep one. Uh, the, then the other thing is, you really need depend on the support you get from your superiors mm. and the support that you get from your team. I can't say enough about the importance of having a high-performance team. Mm. And I always 
try to have a self-directed team so that, you know, I could go do other things and let them do the job that they had to do. So it was basically uh, that. So, uh, yes, there are things that I enjoyed about business. Yes, I enjoyed about business. Things like the fact that I could produce things that were very useful to a, to a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know. The thing I enjoyed also was the continuous learning. You're always mm -hmm. learning you know, something from, from that. And the last one I would say, are, you know, are things like the relationships mm -hmm. that you, uh, you, you develop, right? Um, you say, well, what about the financial aspect of it? I said, no, the financial is important, but for me it wasn't the, the main thing. And, and I say, if the financial is something important to you, uh, today, I would say first forget about base pay and concentrate on, you know, performance-based compensation. You know, things like bonuses, commissions, uh, uh, you know, stock options, because that's where the opportunity is. Mm. Uh, but that's not the, wasn't uh, the the main thing. One thing that I say though is the continuous uh, improvement, the continuous learning was was uh, very uh, important, and. Uh, you know, for, to run a business effectively, you, you do need a drive. You need to have that drive. You need to have emotional intelligence. Uh, and you do need to have knowledge and experience. You know, the only position, is, unless you're running for president, that you don't really need to <laughs> talk about that. But, uh, uh, but, you know, to run a business, you, you do. And uh, that is the one that takes the longest for you to, to get. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, it takes years, so uh, I just encourage people to, to work hard on, on that part because you need, and that's going to be the one that takes the longest, and now is the time to start working on those kids. Yeah. You know. Now, was all that enough? Well, I say, uh, if you're f seeking to become a disciple of Christ, it was an important step, but it was only a step in your spiritual development, mm. not the goal. Yeah, talk about that, because I, I do think that's where we're kind of landing here, is, is there's a difference in the way the world defines success and the way God defines success, right? So as you've studied Scripture, how would you say that Christ defines success for us as a believer? Yeah, first, uh, you know, out in the world, we, we have to realize that business, the forces that drive business, not all the time, but most of the time, are exactly those earthly desires that Peter talks about. You know, yeah. I can think of three at least. I can think about power, control, greed, you know, and lust. I mean, that's uh, sometimes what, you know, drives this, this whole thing. But when you think about the, the scriptures and you think about... Uh, uh, what Christ said about being a disciple, you have to, uh, you know, sometimes we tend to sugarcoat what uh, being a disciple is because we don't want to scare people away. But when you think, for instance, about what he says in Luke 14, 26, 27, he says, if anyone comes to me, you know, he must hate his uh, mother and father, his uh, wife and children, his brother and sisters, yes, even his own life, or he cannot be my disciple. When he comes to me, he must be prepared to carry the cross, right, and follow right. me. I mean, when you think in those terms, to me, God would define success as total commitment and total obedience. Now, once you got that, then you're free to love, 
Hmm. Right? You're free to serve. And you all know yeah. how wonderful his blessings are. It's awesome. Right? Yeah. Well, Harold, it, do you think that it's possible to be a success as a Christ follower and be successful in the world? Yes, I, I think so. I think so. Uh, again, you know, you, uh, you, like I said, you, you, you have these, these forces that are there, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but uh, you are supposed to serve in that uh, environment. And when I look back at the lives that the Holy Spirit has allowed me to uh, impact, you know, I say, yes, you can be a success uh. there. Uh, but if, you know, the company rejects you because you're a Christian, you just shake your dust, you know, and go to the next one because I have to do that at mm-hmm. times. But, uh, you know, yes, at the end of the day, you're going to look back and say, who called me lately? And you'll find out that some of them were people that you impact that you couldn't even remember that mm-hmm. you had had an impact. We're now in a crisis situation and look to you for, for help is because the Lord is working. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know, I mean, just following you and, and, and knowing uh, your family, I know that you impacted a lot of people in business, and, but you, you never wavered from your faith. You know, you always stayed true to the Lord and you were always committed to Christ. And then there came a point in your life where you had kind of risen to the top of the business world and in the corporate world, and you took a turn. You decided to go into ministry. Um, tell us about that, because that was a big shift. I mean, the latter part of your years and you said, hey, I want to I do something different. Well, you know, I got to a point, and I told you about traveling all road, the road, how taxing it was, um, where I said, I think I've achieved what I wanted to achieve in business. And uh, Regina and I had remained very faithful to our local churches, you mm-hmm. know, throughout the 30 years that we were in, in business. So one night we had this conversation about, you know, what we really like to do. And uh, we just remember when we were planting churches, you know, our first church that we planted in Curitiba, and we said, wasn't that wonderful? And I said, uh, I want to go back, uh, do exactly that. And she said, yes, let's do it. And uh, we said, well, but we're going to have to downsize, do things like that. Yeah, we're ready, ready. So we took that leap of faith. So that week I went to talk to my pastor, then at Johnson, and I said, Ed, I want to go into ministry. He said, Harold, here in the U.S., it's going to be difficult because, you know, you don't have a uh, seminary degree. I said, Ed, please pray with me about that. And I said, I'll do it. So a week later... Uh, he called me on the phone, and he said, Harold, you won't believe this. You know, in 30 years of ministry, this has never happened to me. But I got this letter from Lifeway, and they are looking for somebody that has some business experience who would like to help them in marketing. So I thought about you. So that's how we ended up, you know, here uh-huh. in, in Nashville. Now, I have to say, we've been here for uh, over 10 years now. I have to say that at times, uh, you know, I wondered what did the Lord have in mind when he brought me here. 
but you know, travel ar around the world. And I think especially when we got uh, Zendao, you know, through way the company established in, uh, in China, and uh, we saw, you know, the first 5,000 people being trained, uh, you know, with Christian values uh, in China in the 2014, I started realizing that, uh, you know, the Lord had uh, a specific purpose for, for being here and then meeting you and, you know, rolling <laughs> heels and all that. So that was, uh, that was the, the turning point there. I love but, it. Well, it, it's been amazing. I mean, God brought you... And Regina, just the right time. I mean, you know, you came to Lifeway, you headed up marketing and then international and, and taking the gospel into China and to different places. And, and then God brought you to the movie theater and we were first starting as a church right. and, and your wisdom and your, your passion for the Lord. And, and I just saw how God could use a businessman to make a huge impact for the kingdom. And uh, tell me how you've seen that happen. How have you seen people in business or in whatever mm -hmm. industry realize that there's a bigger calling, that it's not just, you know, hey, to make a lot of money, or, you know, or to, you know, have a great retirement. It's, I want to make a difference for the kingdom. How have you seen that, and how have you lived that? Well, you know, as business people, um, we can contribute financially, and we should do that, mm -hmm. but that's not the only thing. I mean, we have a set of skills that we need to make available to the local churches, to mission organizations, right? To pastors and organizations like yeah. the Amazon, yeah. you know, that, that you can use. We definitely need to do that, use our skills in that respect. Hmm. And I've seen you do that. You know, now with church and with JMI, and you're going back into the Amazon and teaching and these pastors that are coming. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, you speak the language and they, they love you. Um, and I do think you're right. I mean, business people have such as resource, and it can make an impact in ministry, in churches, and in nonprofits in an incredible way. Uh, and yet, it's so That's easy right. to get swept up by the world, right? Mm -hmm. And to use our best for the things of the world versus using our best for the kingdom of God. What would you say, Harold? I, I think this is so important, but you've been like a mentor to me, uh, and I just want to thank you for that. But, uh, what would you say to, to yourself or to, to people at the age of 25 or at the age of 35, if you were to look back on your life and say, here's some wise advice, here's some things that I would say to you. Well, that's what I spent a little time, you know, telling about the, the because that was such a blessing as, as a child mm. to be exposed to Christ right in the beginning. My first advice is live in awe of God, mm. right? Uh, and if you don't know how to do that, you know, uh, read, read something like Aidan uh, Tozer's mm -hmm. books, mm -hmm. you know, like Pursuit of God mm -hmm. or The Knowledge of the Holy, mm -hmm. right? Or, or if you don't know anything else, you want to do that, don't want to do that, you know, just lay out in the backyard in a scary night and stare at heaven. And uh, as you see how magnificent, how great how powerful and how loving he is. You can't but fall in love with him. And then the rest will take place of itself, mm -hmm. by itself, you know. And then the next thing I would say is start with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. 
right? If you haven't done that yet, you know, write down your life plan and start by spelling out what you think your purpose in life is, okay? And I mean, I even brought here for you. I said, this is mine, you know, handwritten. Not too many people have seen that yet. But, you know, the 1997 was the last time I reviewed it. So what do you want to do? That's, that's your right life plan. Now. That's my life plan. You've got to have a plan. That's what you think about. You know, you visualize the end. You want to know what the end is. And I would say then the, 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 the thing is because if you have that end in mind, you keep going in that direction. And the third one that I would say, which probably won't sound uh, too spiritual, is, man, seek sound knowledge, mm. you know, throughout this earthly life because it's so important so that you understand and you can make the right decisions and be able to impact you know, the thing that hurts me the most is to just see how many young men and boys, you know, uh, shy away from books, mm. <laughs> okay? And uh, we can't do that. We got to learn. We got to yeah. learn. Yeah, leaders are learners, right? right. So you're constantly Absolutely. learning if you're going to be growing. Yeah. How, how did you keep family as a priority as you were successful in business? How, do you, how did you keep Christ and family as those priorities throughout your whole career? Well, you should ask Regina that. Yeah. I think sometimes she said, well, it wasn't always like that. Yeah. No, it was. I mean, there was many, many times, uh, you know, you, you had to go and you were gone and, uh, you know, she's taking care of, of everything. But I think it gets back to what was the focus point? Mm -hmm. You know, what's the center? Because that is the 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 thermometer there. That's when it's going to say, hey, 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 temperature is too high. That's not what you're here for. Revert back to mission one, mm -hmm. you know, because it is the family. You know, at the end of the day, we all say it, uh, the people who are going to be around there is not going to be your customer base or not even your, you know, the supervisors or anything. It's going to be a handful of people. Mm -hmm. And those were the ones that really matter. Okay, and uh, my goal is just to not uh, to be singing there asking for one more minute, you know, like Edith Piaf in French says, encore une minute, encore une minute, like uh, one more minute, one more minute. No, I want to say one last minute, let me go, Lord. Yeah. But, uh, you know, just being ready, ready to, to go with, uh, I, I look back to my parents, both English the American couple, and, uh, and that's how they went, and that's how I want to wow. go, man. It's just that, that, but the family is the one that's going to support you there. Mm, that's, uh, that's good to hear, because we get in the throes of it, and life gets so busy, and many times it's the family that, you know, kind of gets the back seat, right? right? And we're off and running at our career, and we want to make money, be a success, no, and, and, and we forget about Christ, we forget about... Uh, family and and yet I, I love how you said that. Yeah, you can do both. You can be a success in the business world, and you can be a success in your spiritual life. You know, but don't confuse those two. You know, let the right. spiritual life be the Dictate. first priority. Yeah, Dictate. give us two takeaways. Two takeaways for for redefining success for us. Well, just quickly, I would say first, success needs to go beyond this life. Mm. All right? You have to think in terms of beyond this life. And the second one, I would say, is success. It's only success 
if you focus on what matters to God. You know, we were talking uh, before about, uh, you know, Ecclesiastes. <laughs> you know, you read the whole, whole book of Ecclesiastes, you can't prevent but, you know, getting depressed, you know, until it gets to the end. And it says, it's all about fearing God and yeah. obeying His commandments. And that was under the old, you know, covenant. Mm -hmm. That was a big call then, right? Yeah. But now, under the new covenant, we have the Spirit to guide us and help us to do that. That's what really matters. You know, mm. that's what we should be striving for. I love it. I mean, I love that, Harold. And, and you know, you've, you've, you've been so successful and done so many things, and yet you come back to it and you go, it's all about the Lord, right? You know, yeah. I mean, because our life is like this, you know, and, and even Ecclesiastes, meaningless, meaningless, you know, and you're going, really? But, yep. I mean, Solomon, who wrote that, was the wealthiest and wisest man who ever lived, and yet he gets to the end of it and says, hey, you know, what's it all about? It's about fearing the Lord. Right. So, Harold, what do you want your legacy to be? Just godly children, grandchildren, and as many as the Lord allows me, spiritual children. You mm. know, that's right. That's awesome. Have you matched up to that life plan you wrote in 1997? Oh, I've checked out a few things here that are already done. A lot of that is going to, you know, still be worked on. And you probably will be there at the end to confirm it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Uh, uh, we got time for a couple of questions? Yeah, we do. Okay. Uh, we've got some no. good ones that came in, Harold. Uh, let's go with this first one. Is legalism still a battle? How do you fight the temptation to lean more on rules than grace, especially when looking at the world's problems? Well, legalism uh, is, is not just a Seventh-day Adventist issue, oh, you yeah. know. I mean, when you uh, studied Colossians, it was a problem back then, yeah. right? But I love the way uh, Paul addressed that problem in Colossians. You know, he starts by talking, first of all, about Christ, who Christ is, yeah. okay? And I think that the best way to uh, fight legalism is just to focus on Christ, mm. okay? Because uh, many times, I think when we started dealing about, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that, don't do this, don't do that, it's basically we're just selling God short. Mm. It's like we don't believe that, we don't trust that God can really take care of it, yeah. you know? But when we realize how self-sufficient, how powerful God is, you know, Christ being God, mm -hmm. you know, is just the, the image of the living God. Mm -hmm. You know, focus on Him, and uh, those other things just become minute, mm -hmm. you know, very minute, very unimportant, you know. He, he controls everything. He can handle a few things. Yeah. yeah. I think you're exactly right. I mean, legalism, so many times it takes us down this darker path, and it really focuses on us. It focuses on right. our works and what we're doing. Right. And when you kind of lift your head, like you said, you go out on that starry night, you look up, up and you realize it's by grace I've been saved, you know, Absolutely. through faith. Yeah. It's a gift of God, not by works, right. lest no man should boast. And I think grace brings joy in your life. And if you, if you don't have joy, I think then you can kind of go back and look and go, maybe I am falling into that legalistic camp. Because yeah. when you are living in Christ, there's a joy that it's just natural. You're like, man, Look at what God's done in my life. You know, there's this just joy that wells up inside of me. Right, you. and that's why I'm so happy you, you wrote immeasurably more because we can't forget the power of the Spirit. Yeah, you know? it's all Him. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Right. Good. 
Okay, our next one. Uh, in your time spent leading organizations in the states and overseas, what leadership principles seem to translate across all languages, cultures, and work environments? Yeah, I think, you know, we talk about cultural differences, and they do exist. Mm -hmm. I mean, they do exist. I, I, I mean, I remember first time I went to, to uh, uh, Asia, and I had a very knowledgeable individual there working in Asia. He, uh, the night at the hotel, he said to me, Harold, you used I too many times. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And he said, no, it's all about we, you know, the team. And that is, I mean, that's culturally, that is um, what uh, drives uh, people in, in that area. It's just the contribution of the team. It was a great lesson for me. But I think it doesn't matter where you are. People are seeking and they want to be cared for. And, uh, you know, I still think uh, I love the movement uh, Lead Like Jesus mm -hmm. because, you know, he was a tremendous leader, right? Yeah. But he cared for people. Yeah. He listened. He responded to people. So in leadership, that's why I said the intelligent, emotional intelligence is very important because you have to understand what people dealing with and respond to that, mm -hmm. right? Otherwise, if you don't like it or not, you're going to have a union in your back. Mm -hmm. But if you respond uh, to, to people, at the end of the day, that becomes unnecessary because you're looking after them. You mm -hmm. know? I love that because I do think it comes back to servant leadership, you know, yes. and you're putting the person before your own goals and your own, you know, measure of success. And, and when you begin to understand how Jesus you know, led. And you're right. I mean, you talk about transforming the world. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's that servant leadership, putting others first. And I think that translates across mm -hmm. every culture, right? right? So right. Blackaby wrote a great book on that. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. You got time for one more? Yeah, let's get one more. Um, Harold, what was your best leadership moment? My best uh, leadership moment. Wow, that was, uh, that, that's, that's a difficult one. That's, you know, uh, I think the best uh, leadership moment uh, happened in, in uh, Asia and happened with uh, Chinese pastors. You know, when we, uh, we got established there, uh, I mean, uh, these are people that were, you know, they were ripping pages from the Bible and distributing among themselves, you know, to, uh, to uh, pr preach the, the, the gospel. And uh, you're able to get a group of them and actually start talking, you know, like we do yeah. on the Amazon. You know, yeah. in, in, but these pastors, I mean, the fervor is such, as a matter of fact, and you've probably heard about this before, but, you know, they, if you went to seminary, that there is no big deal, you know. You have to have been to jail at least three years before they start paying attention to you. But it's, uh, you wow. know, that is the commitment that was there and, and so I, I said just Lord thank you thank you for just having giving me the opportunity to see that mm. and experience that and then you come back here and we're in this torpor you know and uh, um, that was my moment of it wasn't my leadership it was the spirit's leadership mm. really that's awesome yeah. uh, well Harold thank you I mean you've helped us redefine success, you know, and say, hey, we can run after the things of the world or we can run after God. And, and when we do that, 
and use the gifts and the skills and the abilities that God's given us, and not just to build our own kingdom, right? And so often we do, um, but to build his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, and when we do that, man, that, that's where we see the joy. That's where we see the impact. That's where we see the life transformation come. And so thank you. I mean, yeah. thank you for thank you. the way you've lived your life and, and modeled. Thank you for pouring into me and pouring into this church and pouring into all of us. Um, and I just love serving the Lord with you, my friends. So, yeah. Let me pray for us right now. Father God, thank you for today. God, thank you for, as we talk about men's leadership, and I thank you for Harold, and I pray a blessing over him and Regina and their family. And God, I thank you for the way that God, you've used him to further your kingdom. And Lord, I pray for us. Um, God, I pray for all the men who are watching or listening right now. I pray that we would understand what success is and that we would run after success in your eyes, God, and not, not just the eyes of the world, Father. Um, God, I pray that we would be a success at home. I pray that we would have godly marriages and we would really love our spouses well. Father, I pray that we would pour into our children, God, and just like Carol's parents poured into him and gave him a foundation. And, and God, our kids grew up so fast, Father, and I pray that, God, we would understand the importance of this time. And then that you would lift our heads, that you would give us a bigger vision of you, that you would give us a passion for you, that you would allow us to walk outside, like Harold said, and look up at the stars and realize how big of a God you are. And that, God, you would stir something inside of us that we would make a difference in our day and our generation. And so, Lord, we love you, God, and we are so grateful, Father, that you have called us for a time such as this. Use us, God, for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Harold. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.